Luke chapter 18. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And he said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so that she won't beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay longer over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now they were bringing even infants to him, that he might touch them and When the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called to him, saying, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. and You will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad. He was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. And taking the 12, he said to them, see, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the son of man by the prophets will be accomplished for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside, begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, 
Son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. When he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God Thomas here we are Luke 18 you know not much good material today uh looks like it'll be a short one I mean this entire chapter is just chalked full is amazing like section after story after story oh yeah it's parable after parable um so obviously a lot of great stuff here and a lot to press through, but, and frankly, we're not going to press through all of it. (laughs) No, Um, no, I think we can highlight one or two things that maybe jump off the page today. Yeah. Well, you know, like, uh, like we've been saying with a lot of these, you you know, sometimes it's kind of challenging to like push through a ton of scripture in one sitting, but there's actually a unique benefit to it in that you can see the threads that are, tying certain sections together. And I think we can actually really clearly see that in this passage today Um, because, you know, we have a bunch of different characters, some real people, some, uh, you know, characters and parables, and we have Jesus teaching, we have people responding, uh, people, you know, trying to exalt themselves and, and so on. And the big idea in these readings today and in, in this teaching or this section of teaching is how, you know, it, it's really tied up in verse 14. Uh, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so it's really, Jesus is giving very specific insight into his upside down kingdom where humility mm-hmm. is glory and where glory is shame. And so it, it, it's very, you know, densely packed with, a lot of different angles on this diamond. So what are your thoughts, Thomas, on everything going on? I mean, <clears throat> you've got the call to pray and not give up. You've got the the Pharisee and the tax collector, the pride and the, and the arrogance. You've got that all who come to the kingdom of God are like little children. you got the rich young ruler. you got Jesus foretells his death. And then you got a blind beggar mm-hmm. that gets healed. Yeah. Um, you know, just a couple of thoughts. One would be um, the the rich ruler. I remember in college, people would get really hung up on, so should you sell everything? Is mm-hmm. that really what it looks like to follow Jesus? You sell everything, then you go to Acts chapter two and chapter three, and like, do they sell everything? And and so this idea of, we talk about it a lot, prescriptive versus descriptive. I think the rich young ruler and several of these stories actually are all, mm-hmm. are all pretty uh, descriptive but maybe not so much prescriptive. Mm. And what I mean is um, if you have any God before mm-hmm. God, well, you got to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. And that's the rich young ruler. His God is his money. Mm-hmm. He loves his money. Yeah. And so what does Jesus say? He says, well, sell all your stuff and follow me. That'll help you not love your stuff. <laughs> that That's a description. Mm-hmm. It's not an overall prescription for everyone to follow. But the description is is mandatory. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm not I'm not much of a seamstress myself. 
No, I, I'm not. I'm not. Believe it or not. Well, I've I have had, I've tried to you know thread a needle in my day. Yeah. Also tried to you know many of us who haven't done that have probably tried to thread some fishing line through a fishing hook. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's uh it's one of the most annoying things in the world, especially like if your fingers like if you're fishing and your fingers are a little wet or something, or like, or if you're cold. Or if you're, or, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, or if the thread, have you ever done, let's go down the rabbit trail. Have you ever had the thread through the needle and the threads like frayed on the end? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> makes you very, yeah, exactly. very frustrated. Very frustrated. <laughs> yeah. So, or like if the fishing line's like a little, anyways. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that this image that Jesus uses, you know, we've heard it a lot if you've been around church for a while. And so it's easy to like not let it hit you, but, uh, you know, it's, it's amazingly exaggerative, a, a, a camel, you know, which was basically saying like a Ford F three fifty, right through like your your contractor's you know truck, uh, through the eye of a needle, and that that's like a very heavy handed discouraging thing. And I think a lot of times when that this passage is quoted, it's like left off there, and it's kind of like this like you know screw the rich mentality right. that people can take up. And I love that it's followed by. You know what is impossible they they clearly receive it in a discouraging way like well then who can be saved and she says what's impossible with man is possible with god mm-hmm. and, and so you know even there in, in the face of this this rich ruler whose wealth is a great obstacle to him it, it's not there's not a station you know just as somebody cannot be too destitute and broken for the kingdom of god you also can't be like to have too much earthly wealth for the kingdom of God. Like it, it's, it's not about that, you know, and, and all things are possible. Right. Like God can save, he can bring his people from any circumstances into, you know, like following him. And so there's a lot of great encouragement there. And then, uh, you know, so we have this passage at the end, the blind beggar, um, Bartimaeus, I think in Mark, he's, we have the same story, but he's named um, Bartimaeus. Yeah. And, but it, it's very clear. It's like really the exact same dialogue and everything. And very poignantly, he, he refers to Jesus repeatedly as the son of David, which that that's a big deal because it, it's basically saying that this blind beggar, just from the word on the street and the rumors going around town He's connecting the dots on the identity of who Jesus is. And Son of David's a very messianic That's title right. to call somebody. Yep. Because they know that David's going to have an, a son who will come and reclaim the throne. And, you know, it's it's a really striking story because people are are so annoyed with him. Like, dude, shut up. Like, they, they rebuke him, telling him to shut up. But he cried out all the more son of David. And I think we just have such a great image here of the persistence of his faith. And, and it reminds me, I mean, I feel like I've been quoting the Beatitudes all throughout this, but the idea of like hungering and thirsting for righteousness and justice hmm. and being poor in spirit, it creates this persistence and that ties so perfectly Back to the beginning of the chapter. That's right. Almost like the scriptures were written in a purposeful way. That's right. And so it goes back to this persistent widow where Jesus makes the point that, hey, it if even earthly rulers 
can be swayed not because, not out of any love of justice or righteousness that righteousness that they have but if even their love of comfort will allow them to pursue justice just to not be annoyed by somebody like how much more when you persistently pray will your god who gives justice to his people how much more will he not delay to send help mm. and, and so what are your thoughts on sort of that um, a sandwich bread of persistence that we see here in this chapter. I, I, I really have been, as you were saying that, thinking through the judge in the first parable that we're told, and this judge that doesn't care about God or people. Like Jesus tells these exaggerated stories. Like this would be the worst judge ever, right? Mm-hmm. He would be this judge that's like, he'd just be about himself. He didn't care about anybody that comes in his court, and he doesn't care about God. So this atheist, uh, mm-hmm. like self-absorbed judge, and yet that judge finally answers the widow. Mm-hmm. Um, we we shouldn't give up. We have a God who does the impossible, um, and I think the focus on on God Himself mm-hmm. and how, on one hand, God is scary because He judges sin, mm-hmm. but on the other hand. He so loved us that he sent his only son. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, he judges sin, but he also resolves sin. And I think we ought to pray and pray and pray and seek the Lord. And eventually it shows here that the Lord will answer and he'll answer in his time. And it's not for us to question his time. It's for us to kind of align ourselves with his time. And he does things that don't always make sense to us. I mean, near the end of the chapter, Jesus tells about his death. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make any sense to the guys, mm-hmm. but eventually it would make perfect sense mm. to them. Yeah, and so you you kind of meld this whole chapter together, and you have this incredibly loving God who works on a different timetable than us, who simultaneously is literally dying mm-hmm. for us to join Him and walk with Him, mm. and so. I think this is this whole chapter is a call, like you said at the beginning, to the upside down. Mm-hmm. The upside down is this life is not about me. It's actually about God. There's a God who isn't out to get me. There's a God who loves me, mm-hmm. who does punish sin, but also provided the way out. Mm-hmm. And man, it would do me so well to stop fighting him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because I love my money. I love my things. Um, I want my way. It would do me so well to just say, you are God mm-hmm. and I am not. Help my spirit be quieted before yours that I might mm-hmm. follow you and see you and trust you. Mm-hmm. So I think I think Luke 18 is a strong, strong chapter with some very compelling arguments mm-hmm. to the life that is surrendered to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I uh... I think this idea of persistence, just as we close out, it's a great thing to think about, pray about, meditate on as we move on with our days. You know, prayer and how God answers prayer is one of the most like complicated, mm-hmm. hard to wrap our, our little minds around the topics in scripture. And, you know, I, I specifically, I, I just think that, you know, I, I think back to the Psalms and there's all this uh, dissonance where mm-hmm. there's all these Psalms that where God 
you know, it's like, why are you delaying justice? You know, why, why are you not acting? And then there's also all these promises that God will not delay justice. And I think this idea of persistence is interesting because we both hold in one hand this promise that that God will speedily meet your needs and that he will take care of you and not let a hair fall from your head unwatched. And yet also sometimes God creates a venue for us to be persistent. And and that's through, um, you know, delaying. That's right. And so, and the, the thing is, is we could never learn persistence. We could never learn to wait for the Lord. We would never learn faith if everything was easy and if everything was granted in the drop of a hat. That's right. And so there's this duality where how we see time and how God sees time. Mm. And, you know, one is an ultimate perspective. One is a human perspective. And from the ultimate perspective, you know, God's people are always taken care of. Justice always comes to the wicked and to the upright. Mm -hmm. And yet sometimes we have to tarry on. And uh, Andy Squires has this lyric in a song, You Bring the Morning. Um, He says, you bring the wilderness where I can learn to hunger. And I just think that that is such an amazing image of, you know, sometimes God brings us to the wilderness and uh, instead of giving us a fruit tree, he gives us hunger. That's good. And so, you know, it, it's just, these are the things that we need to like meditate on and, and breathe and pray is, you know, sometimes the Lord is saying no to our prayers. Sometimes, uh, you know, those prayers are slowly being answered and, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's not for us to know everything ahead of the fact, but to be persistent and to seek Him. That's right. And so, these are these are good words and, and deep words from Luke 18. So, for Thomas Nelson, this is Will Carlisle, and we will see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.